for the Women's Aglow meeting that they hold it, it um, down at Roy's Smorgie Chuck Wagon, whatever. I spoke for that. And, um, you know, it was just a message God had laid on my heart. And I thought, okay, this is kind of cool. It's kind of a fun message. And uh, I didn't realize until October, I guess, just why God had given me this message. And in my life in October, I realized, hmm, I guess this, this is my time to really decide whether I'm really going to live and believe what God's given me to share or just throw it all down the drain and walk away. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to open your Bibles to Psalms 139, I'm going to um, read it out of the message. Look at that. It's a good thing it's in my notes. I grabbed the wrong Bible again. Okay. Anyway, Sam's... No, that's okay. I have it written down, so that'll work for me. In the, messes, in the message Bible, it says, Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvel marvelously made. So I want to ask the question, have you ever considered the way God made you? Really considered the way he made you? Why he made you that way? When it comes to the um, birthing or the formation of a new thing, there's two words that we use over and over to describe this process. But both those words have totally different meanings. And I'm sure you all, Tom talks about it all the time. It's um, create and to make. Create is to form from absolutely nothing, like the earth, Adam, you and I. God created all that. To make, and that is to form you know, from that which has already been created, like you make a cake. You got all your individual ingredients that's already there, but you make something new with it. I believe God is definitely creating something out of nothing in each of our lives. I know he's doing it in mine. Because there's a lot of times where I don't think there's anything there and something appears miraculously. <laughs> I know he's at work. Creation is underway. Yet, like the scripture says, we are marvelously made. God is also using who we are, the things that he's put in us, that which has already been created, to accomplish a greater plan than most of us realize. A lot of you don't know, well, I shouldn't assume, some of you don't know my testimony. And so I thought maybe, beginning of the year, since this was supposed to happen last month, I'd go ahead and um, share some of that. Um, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my mom and dad were both um, born-again Christians before I was born. Mom was raised a Christian, and dad later became a Christian after they were married. And I accepted Jesus into my heart at an early age, you know, one of those little after-school Bible clubs. It was in grade school sometime. And I always thought um, about all these... Um, testimonies that people had of how God has rescued them and they were in all these you know great turmoil and I always thought you know what kind of testimony is it that blah 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 I've been a Christian all my life how boring can it be you know but that is such a great testimony a great testimony to my parents a great testimony to my grandparents and it's just a great testimony to God and how he's protected me all my life and um I was, um, my uh, 
parents taught me to love and honor God. Um, I, I have two brothers and one sister, and my sister is here, and I have a brother here in town, and then I have a brother on the Oregon coast. And um, w- church life was um, one service Sunday morning at a little community church in a town of 200 people so you can tell how big the church was it wasn't very big and we did everything off the bulletin you know you knew the song you knew who gave last month and how much it was and (laughs) little little tiny community church and we went we went on Sunday mornings when we didn't have anything else going on the way I remember it Um, and uh, but through all that um, you know, just simply taught to trust and obey and, and do what um, God has prompted me to do. Didn't really understand the Jeremiah 29:11, but so glad to find out once you start reading and studying that he did have, does have a plan and a purpose for my life and knowing that as I do what he calls me to do and asks me to do, that he will produce everything he's always told me he would produce, everything that's in his word. Every little step I took making a huge difference in my final destination. The first time, um, I was actually born in Seattle, and we moved to Oregon when I was, I don't know, four, five, somewhere around in there, um, because my grandfather had bought a huge piece of property, and um, in one portion of it, he was uh, making a Christian camp. And so in one big, huge open meadow, he would always have um, what they called then, or he called then, singing dinners on the grounds, where we'd all go, and he'd have a picnic, and they'd have a makeshift stage, and he'd provide, you know, some kind of entertainment or preaching or something like that. And one evening, or one afternoon, or however it was, I was, um, I don't know, maybe nine, ten, eight, somewhere around in there, and Tom's dad and his, Tom and his sister and his brother were asked to come, Tom's dad was asked to come speak, and his, um, Tom and his um, siblings were, you know, singing. And so that was my first sight of Tom was, you know, up on a stage, you know, and at that age, you know, he ranked right up there with, you know, who, Leif Garrett and Scott Bayo and, you know, all those people. I mean, he was, yeah, he was right up there. It was pretty cool. But um, so that was the first time I saw him, and just not knowing anything about him, who he was, he just, you know, pretty good-looking guy at that point in my life. So, and um, then um, I was in high school, and my mom and I was, you know, a few years later, we were at a Montgomery Ward store in Roseburg, and I don't know, shopping for I don't know what, and uh, Tom and his mom walk through the store, and I don't know if she remembers it, but um, probably doesn't, because we hid, we hid under the clothing racks going, there he is, look at him go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, but just still not realizing who, you know, what, just, I think like any girl or guy, as you see somebody just thinking, okay, he, he's good looking or she's hot or whatever they say nowadays, you know, as you see somebody walk by. And, and it, was, it was, I was in high school um, the next time, um, and his, his dad, so it was 80, so I was a sophomore, 
as Manel, maybe 81 or 82, so junior. And um, his dad had sent, been sent home to die with cancer in 80, I think he says, I don't ever remember. And um, after he was well enough to get out and to start these Bible studies that it started, he came over to my dad's house. And th through the time that he had cancer, my dad, we knew who they were. Um, they, we only lived, what, two miles from each other. But there was a school, property line, school boundary line, and so I went to one direction and he went the other direction to school. So our paths never crossed. And my parents' paths really never crossed with theirs because they're just two different social whatevers. So anyway, his dad came to our house and brought my dad a box of apples because they had a orchard tree. And Tom's told this story, I don't know how many times. Of course, you don't get the real version from Tom. You get it from me. Anyway, so he brought these apples. And, um, <laughs> and uh, my dad knew he had cancer and just didn't know how to approach him. Didn't know what to say to a person that at that point, you know, my dad figured was dying. There was no help for him, he was gonna die. And so when he showed up on our doorstep, dad was just overcome with emotion, which he is sometimes. Probably doesn't want me to say that, but he is. And, and he asked, in fact, Tom, I think, just told the story, but he asked what he could do for Clayton. And Clayton said, well, just come to my Bible studies, because when I, I find that when I preach, when I do Bible studies, I get stronger. And so he had, am I telling the story right? From what you remember? Okay, good, good. Just thought I'd ask. And so dad went, and mom went, and then they decided maybe they should take me. And I can't remember if I really wanted to go, you know, a Bible study. And when you're in high school, why do you want to go to a Bible study with all these old people? <laughs> but I went. And, you know, I was pretty glad I went. Because there he was again sitting right there playing his guitar and I stared at him the whole night the whole night and that's where that part of that verse in Psalms 139 13 you know God you're breathtaking yeah look at him right there and he asked me out and I had to tell him no because I was already going out with somebody and I didn't want to you know give him the wrong impression so I went home and took care of that other situation and called him back and told him I'd go out with him <laughs> And so, okay, so that's, that's where we was. I, well, you know, but I think so many people are afraid of, of maybe who they are, afraid of who God made them. And I'm so glad to be me, to be who God made me. And I think a lot of people are maybe confused in attempting to be somebody else. And I know I was there because what how many years Evan was all these years they just go by anyway when we took our first church trying to fit in as a pastor I I wasn't ever raised you know I went to church once a week and I sat in a little church and Tom was raised as far as speaking to people and, and uh, preaching the word that's how he was raised and so here I was a young mom and now I'm supposed to be a pastor's wife and, of course, the, the pastor's wife image in, in my head from the church I grew up with, she played the piano, she taught ch children, she sang, she did the books, she, I don't know what else she did, but she did it all. 
And that wasn't me. And here I am trying to fit in to be this pastor's wife. And I knew nothing of what I was doing. Nothing of what I was doing. And so I thought about it kind of like this. Have you ever, when you go on a, on a flight or you travel and you go to the airport and you go to get your bags, have you ever picked up the wrong bag? Huh? Ever picked up the bo- wrong bag? Cool. Did you see what you could do with that bag? Did you try to live out of that bag? I thought I would try to do that. So I grabbed a bag. And uh, we'll show you tonight what happens when you try to live out of somebody else's bag. Yeah. Here we go. I'll have you know, Tom can't even fit into this anymore. The both of us could, as you can tell. Yeah. Right. I think I did this last time. I think I used to have a pair of pants that kind of looked at the, like this, you know. It kind of had a, a gathered thing going to it. You know, one of those high-waist gathered thing. Do you remember those pants? Okay, I lost. Yeah. Oh, it's back? Oh, it's back? Oh, cool. Is it gathered like this, though? You know, pretty stylish, don't you think? Oh, come on. There we go. Yeah? We're doing good? I don't see how anybody... What? Oh, sorry. It's not like I do this every day. I'm sure Tom's glad he doesn't have to do this every day. But, huh? No, I don't do it for him. I don't even like doing it for myself. I mean, come on, this takes forever. You just, you know, I just throw on a t-shirt and jeans and you go. How can you ever? But you know what I did invest in, though? This is the best part, being, being in a house full of guys. Okay, this is going to give me troubles. And uh, young guys now going to dances and stuff like that, and I think I'm losing this, but we'll try to fix it maybe. Okay. Anyway, we know now that we'd leave ties around the house that are already done <laughs> because when it comes time for one of the boys to go to a dance and dad's in a meeting, I end up calling Lene. Lene, how do you tie a tie? Yeah, it just doesn't work. But I, he told me I have to make sure that it stays just right. So, so we have to make sure. Okay, there we go. But can you imagine trying to live your life in this all the time? Oh, God. Number one, you'd end up sweating profusely. And my shoes don't fit in his shoes. There we go. Okay. Could you do it? Trying to, oh, she already took a picture. No more pictures. No more pictures. So, so you have to consider what it would be like going through life, attempting to fit in. God, this is uncomfortable. All the while realizing, me realizing, this isn't who I am. These aren't clothes, bags, shoes. Mike's, I was meant to feel. <laughs> They're just not. But you know, you try. You try hard to make every oh, try hard to make everything work just right. Meet the expectations of those around you, maybe. Try to fill the pastor's wife's shoes that 
everybody thinks, or so maybe I'm thinking everybody thinks I should feel. But then, you, then I start noticing that none of the special inward gifts that I possess, that God's given me, seem to fit with any of this stuff that you try to put on. That the bag, baggage or bags that you've picked up along our journey doesn't seem to hold any of the essentials needed to successfully travel down the path that God created for you, the trail that he created for you. Rather than living happy, we're living frustrated, confused, disappointed, roasting, hot, very uncomfortable. Amen? Galatians 6, 1, 4 through 5 in the message says, Live creatively, friends. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. As you can see, I wasn't created to fill any of this. Fit in any of this, fill it, and you aren't either. You're created to be yourself, to be who God made you to be. And you need to explore what, what God's given you. I'm sorry, I just can't do this. I can put it on, but I do need to take it off. When I, in October, is when this message for me was really tested. My oldest son decided at that time that he was going to move out. And of course, you know, as a mom, you have, I have all these expectations for my kids, what they're, you know, what they're, the grades they're supposed to get in high school or school, you know, just, just their life. I have it all mapped out for them. Of course, that's kind of wrong of me. But I come to realize that what I expect for them isn't always what God has planned for them. And so when he moved out, Tom, Tom and I have always talked about when, they, when they're 18, they're going to move out. It's going to be awesome. And I wasn't prepared for it. I was not prepared for it at all. Not that it, not that it was a good thing, because I, I think there's ways that it could have been done that it would have been better. I don't know. Maybe it's all part of God's plan, and maybe I won't ever understand until that time comes when I can ask him. But he moved out, and I thought my world had come to an end. And, you know... So I was dealing with that. Two weeks later, our middle son was hit with something. And in his eyes, it wasn't a big deal. But to me, I thought all heck was breaking loose. And I just couldn't understand how anybody could do this to him. I just, you know, and then a week later, I mean, it was just like to the T. Our, our youngest son went through... I don't know what, he'd been going through it for a while, but he went through this and was, um, as a result, was expelled from school. And as a mom, I had all three of my kids going through such a horrendous time. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. And yet I knew, um, I, I just, I don't know how all to say it, but at the time that it all happened, 
because when TJ finally got expelled, I think that was my breaking point. And, and I can remember that day as if it was yesterday. And just thinking, okay, I can't go on. You know, maybe had, the, had these things happened individually, maybe, you know, one year and then the next year and then something like that, it would have been fine. But to have it all happen and to have it happen with my kids. Because I think, I think Satan knows that he can come and attack me maybe in my body or, or in my mind or something like that. And, and he can attack Tom. And I think, I got to be careful what I say, but I think we are strong enough that we can take care of ourselves you kind of know how to pray through you know for yourself but but when he comes against your kids and you're trying to teach them what you already know and they're so young and they're not mature or as mature as maybe we are in trying to learn those things it's just it's almost a helpless feeling you know how 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 or why 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 is this happening and i believe this is when god really tested are you he, he was asking me are you really glad that you're you are you really glad that you're where you are are you really glad that that i made you this way and i really had to ask myself that and yeah there was a day that i said no and i was ready to walk away from it but but then you know you go to jeremiah 29 with the Anglicans of his day was that they knew all their theology, they just didn't practice one bit of it. But we can go to the other extreme. Well, we try to practice it, but we don't ever think about it. So anyway, so theological contemplation is a value. Um, and you read that God has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us hope and a future. And of course, you know, Tom pounds that into us. <laughs> But then I just realized that I am who God made me. And each one of you are who God made you. And I believe you need to celebrate those individual gifts and traits that he puts in each one of you. Because without you, without... Because there's many people here that I shared the struggles that I went through. And without each and every one of those people and their special gifts and talents and just their special, special things that God put in them, I wouldn't have been able to make it through that. I couldn't have made it through it on my own. Not, not ever could I have made it. But God knew who he had placed in my life, and he knew that those people had those special traits that he had put in them to use to help, to, you know, to help me to get through that. And there's, there's just no way that we can live out of somebody else's bag or somebody else's experience. We can't um, successfully require to produce increase in blessing. There's no hope. We have no hope when trying to live off of somebody else or out of somebody else's experience. You can't even, you know, you can't even move without looking like such an idiot. <laughs> but... I just so believe that God packed each one of us uniquely. He considered the color of our temperaments, the fabric of our characters, and the threads of our personalities. I can't be anything I want to be, but I can be everything that God's made me to be, and you can too. He's in, God's in charge. He's in charge of packing our bags. He's in charge of making us who we are. We're in charge of finding out what it is he gave us, of finding out what he's put inside of us, and to wear it, and to wear it well, and to share it with others. Not comparing ourselves, but 
but rejoicing and being happy in who God's made us, running our own race, staying in our own lane, and taking responsibility for who we are and who God has made us to be. When our uniqueness meets God's purpose, both of us can rejoice. Amen. I just hope that, I just prayed before we, we came here tonight that what I had to share could speak to somebody. That, because we all go through seasons of life, all of us, whether we're stay at home moms, whether we're working 12 hours a day, seven days a week, whatever it is, God. God can use each one of you in your own specialness and your uniqueness to minister to those all around you. And I just, I just pray that you can rejoice in who God's made you to be and not be afraid to share it with all those around you. Amen.